Yet, he admits, so much of the spirituality as has been enforced on his customary ideas by the great religion outburst of the past, and he makes an scheme of society a place. Variable through not often effective for the priest or the learned theologian who can who can be trusted to provide him with a safe and ordinary spiritual pabulum. But to the man who would assert for herself the liberty of spiritual experience and spiritual life, he assigns, if he admits him at all, not the vestment of the priest, but the robe of the sannyasi. Outside society, let him exercise his dangerous freedom, so he may even serve as a human lightning rod, receiving the electricity of the spirit and turning it away from the social edifice. <coughs> Nevertheless, it is possible to make the material man and his life moderately progressive by imprints on the material mind, the custom of progress, the habit of conscious change, the fixed idea of progression as a law of life. The creation by its mean of progressive society in Europe is one of the greatest triumphs of mind over matter, but the physical nature has its revenge from the progress made trends to be a grosser and more outward kind, and its attempt at a higher or more rapid moment bringing about great, veriness, swift exhaustion, startling recoils. It is possible also to give the material man and his life a moderate spirituality by accustoming him to regard in a religious spirit all the institution of life and its customary activity. The creation of such spiritualized community in the East has been one of the greatest triumphs of spirit over matter. Yet there too, there is a defect. For this often tend only to the creation of religious temperament, the most outward form of spirituality. Its higher manifestation, even the most splendid and poisoned, either merely increase the number of souls drawn out of social life so impoverish it, or disturb the society for a while by a momentary elevation. The truth is that neither the mental effort nor the spiritual impulse can suffice. Divorced from each other to overcome the immense resistance of material nature. She demands their alliance in a complete effort before she will suffer a complete change in humanity. But Usually these two great agents are unwilling to make to each other the necessary concessions. The mental life concentrates on the aesthetic, the ethical, and the intellectual activity. Essential mentality is idealistic and a seeker after perfection. The subtle self, the brilliant Atma, is even a dreamer. A dream of perfect beauty, perfect conduct, perfect truth whether seeking new forms of eternal or revitalizing the old, is the soul of pure mentality. But it knows not how to deal with the resistance of matter. There it is hampered and inefficient, works by bundling experiments and has either to withdraw from the struggle or submit to the great actuality. 
or else by studying the material life and accepting the conditions of the contest, it may succeed, but only in imposing temporarily some artificial system with infinite nature either renders and cast aside or disfigures out of recognition or by withdrawing her accent leaves as the corpse of a dead idea. Few and far between have been those realizations of a dreamer in a man, which the world has gladly accepted, looks back to and a fond memory and seeks in its element to cherish. When the gulf between actual life and the temperament of the thinker is too great, we see as a result a sort of withdrawing of the mind from the life in order to act with a greater freedom in its own sphere. The poet living among its, his brilliant vision, the artist absorbed in the art, the philosopher thinking out the problem of the intellectual in his solitary chamber, the scientist, the scholar, caring only for its studies and its experiment, were often in the former days or even now not un often the sannyasis of the intellect. To the work they have done for humanity, all its past bear records. But such seclusion is justified only by some special activity. Mind finds fully its force and action only when it casts itself upon life and accepts equally its possibility and its resistance as the mean of greater self-perfection. In the struggle with the difficulty of the material world, the ethical development of the individual is firmly shaped and the great school of conducts are formed. But contact with the fact of life, art attains to the vitality, thought assures its abstractions. The generalization of the philosopher based themselves on a stable foundation of science and experience. The mixing with life may, however, be pursued by the sake of individual mind and with an entire indifference to the forms of the material existence or the uplifting of the race. The indifference is seen as its highest in the epicurial discipline and is not entirely absent from the Stoic. And even altruism does the work of compassion more often for its own sake than for the sake of the world it helps. But this too is a limited fulfillment. The progressive mind is seen as its noblest when it strives to elevate the whole race to its own level, whether by sowing broadcast the image of its own thought and fulfillment, or by changing the material life of the race into a fresh forms, religious, intellectual, social, or political. Indeed, to represent more nearly the idea of truth, beauty, justice, righteousness, with which the man's own soul is illuminated. Failure in such a field matters little, for the mere attempt is dynamic and creative. The struggle of mind to elevate life is a promise and condition of the conquest of life by that which is higher even than mind. The highest thing, the spiritual existence, is concerned with what is eternal, but not therefore entirely aloof from the transient.
For the spiritual man, the mind's dream of a perfect beauty is realized in an eternal love, beauty, and delight that has no dependence and is equal behind all objective appearances. Its dream of perfect truth is the supreme, self-existent, self-apparent, and eternal variety which never varies, but explains and is the secret of all variations and the goal of all progress. Its dream of perfect action and the omnipotent and self-guiding law that is inherent, inherent action for, I'm sorry, I'll start the sentence but explain in the secret of all variation and the goal of all progress. Its dream of perfect action and this omnipotent and self-guiding law that is inherent forever in all writing and translates itself here in the rhythm of the worlds. What is fugitive vision or constant effort of creation in the brilliant self is an eternally existent reality in the self that knows and is the Lord. But it is often difficult for the mental life to accommodate itself to the daily resistance material activity. How much more difficult must it seem for the spiritual existence to live on, it, on in a world that appears full, not of the truth, but of every lie and illusion, not of love and beauty, but an encompassing discord and ugliness, not of the law of truth, but of victorious selfless and sin. Therefore, the spiritual life tends easily in the saint and sannyasis to withdraw from the material existence and reject it either wholly and physically or in the spirit. It sees this world as a kingdom of evil or of ignorance and the eternal and divine either in a far off heaven or beyond where there is no world and no life. It separates itself inwardly, if not also physically, for the world's impurities, it asserts the spiritual reality in a spotless isolation. This withdrawal renders an invaluable service to the material life itself by forcing it to regard and even to bow down to something that is direct negation of its own petty ideas sordid cares and egoistic self-content.